Okay, I'm starting recording now. I mean, I had before I clicked the button, but here we go. Yeah. All right, cool. What's up? All right, so here we are. I'm at like I'm getting like a Starbucks right now, Max. I feel like I've had so many coffees today. What? Yeah. A burger. I had a McDonald's coffee. A, uh, you know, their co- their iced coffee is like pretty lame, right? Um, I mean, yeah. Are we recording? Yeah, we are. Oh, okay, dude. I'm at like the Target in Flatbush. Yeah. Hey, if you look out the window, you see like the reception's not that great. But if you look out the window, you see like limitless sort of shops. So I'm like a little distracted right now. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, I'm <you're, laughs> You're overwhelmed. By the last the thing on my mind is West Virginia. I just spent three hours talking about um, screen and. It, happens i'm writing a script right now and whoa whoa sorry you, you, you just cut out you, you spent three hours talking about what uh i three hours talking i think um it's, it just so happens with a bunch of what happens i'm now turned in wyoming right yeah i okay. think it's pretty good i think i like i mean i pat myself on the back <laughs> you know, with, with this shit, like, but like right. a lot of people would, would be like, "Oh, another another like bumpkin," you know, writing about some some you know, well roll bullshit. Makes all of us right. Yeah, I mean, okay, you you cut out again, but I think what I heard was you you just talked about screen writing for three hours. All right, let me let me get let me get out the target. It's the yeah. target's killing reception. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and you're and you're writing something said in Wyoming. I just I just want to clarify that for future listener that that makes sense. Right, I'm, I'm gonna walk in circles outside in Flatbush right now. It's like yeah. you don't you don't know like how taxing that can be, but I think I think it's a good day for it. <laughs> wow, um, good day to be taxed. Good <laughs> to be taxed. Yeah. So as you're saying, um, yeah, nothing. I was just thinking like, wow, ah, look, look what has become of the wild frontier. Now it's a giant line of targets and shopping malls but um, yeah but yeah i mean i i I listen like i said i listened to your podcast and what i what really stuck with me and what i found most interesting was the idea that like um noir, noir films are sort of often about like uh like like the antagonism between the sexes or something Whereas cowboy movies are more about, or westerns, whatever, are more about, like, this this competition between equals. And it's very, like, sort of ego-based and, like, forthright and upfront. It's just, like, it's it's a totally different um, world. It's, it's And what's weird is, like, this whole distinct genre has basically become totally moribund, even though it was at kind of the birth of movies. I also like your point that, um, your like counter argument to the point that everyone always says that um, the old westerns are like these pure mythologies, sort of devised for America to console itself or something. Um, and your counter point was that like uh, in the early yeah. days, that there would have been like old guys who actually had been out on the range watching these movies, and you know, obviously you could to some extent blow smoke up people's. Uh, however, oh yeah, but, yeah, but, it was a yeah. Um, yeah, there was a traditionalism wrapped yeah. up in early uh, golden age 
yeah. and even earlier uh western filmmaking yeah you know like the the movie watching public was not necessarily uh super old but they often were old enough to remember the old west yeah exactly and so you really it was like if you watched a world war ii movie in the 60s or maybe later like 80s 70s yeah. even up until now really yeah. and you have veterans watching these movies about world war ii just to say in the old west you have people you know they'll watch a movie that came out during world war ii and so in the news, they're reading about World War II, and then yeah. they're watching movies about their childhood in the Old West. I mean, literally, cowboys were alive during World War II. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, that was the point of what I was saying is yeah. it goes beyond filmmaking. But yeah, I, I, I tend to agree, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. It, I, I mean you know, you see what I mean? I, I think, I think it's also true of the noir. I mean, yeah. you know, you, I like in a noir film, you get... You know, some sort of like ratchet, you know, hard-boiled detective, a gumshoe, a PI, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he, and then you also get, you know, a Pinkerton will walk from the old west. Yeah. And and he'll be like an old, you know, Pinkerton who went out into the salt mines or whatever wow. at one point. That's interesting. And, and was, you know, in a coal town, you know, that kind of. Yeah. Setting. Yeah, that that interplay is very is very interesting as well. I mean, I don't think that. Came and then, up, and of course, now we 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 view it as like somewhat diminished, like. So let's say a World War II veteran or a detective or some kind of cowboy from the 40s. And, yeah. you know, I'm more like a more... But, you know, transmogrified decades up until, like, say, like, 1985. Yeah. You know, what kind of movie are they going to be watching to reflect what they did? Yeah. You know, it won't be as it won't be as center stage as the World War II veteran. Yeah. But there's still, like, to it, I think. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're still kind of... You're still cutting out a little bit. I'm not. I'm not. What am I cutting out? Um. What? I, uh, percentage and how? It's 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 fairly uh it's fairly significant, but it was it was just the last minute or so, basically starting from the stuff about the salt mine. Well, what I was saying was that you know you have a guy, is uh, originally from like Maryland, and then he goes out to what like oklahoma or missouri in the old in the on the frontier or the prairie working as a pinkerton detective yeah that guy uh ends up watching a movie in the 40s he lives long enough into the world war ii time and he sees a movie where his whole existence was sort of captured Hmm. now think of it in the modern sense is the closest thing we'd have to that is if you saw a World War II veteran live until like 1985 yeah. and watch a movie, like maybe a 90s film, like The Thin Red Line. Well, or Saving about, Private Ryan. Huh? You know, about Iwo Jima. Or Saving Private Ryan. I mean, if Saving Private Ryan's not the my go-to example, but it's everyone else's, it seems. So, yeah, why not? <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, I don't... I, I agree. It, it's, it's a very, like, popularized account of it or whatever and I always thought it was not a very good movie like I mean I saw it years after everyone else was supposed to but I was kind of amazed I'm always sort of amazed by how like not always but I'm often amazed by how like broad Spielberg plays and just like it, it just strikes me as like cheesy but but that's a that's a tangent um I, I think something you just mentioned that you didn't mention earlier was um this just this weird interplay between the noir and the western particularly like in its historical context as the people watching it would have been like former 
Cowboys or Pinkertons or whatever. Um, seeing that sort of inform noir or whatever, that, that's, that's just, that's interesting to think about to, to, I mean, but, but again, I, I guess the point is that I think it's, I kind of think you're, you're accurate in saying that, uh, the criticism that the early movies are like, are sort of further away from the truth than like the gritty hard boiled modern stuff. It's kind of like almost the opposite of the truth. Like to me, it seems, I think, I think you're really sort of accurate with that. Like, I feel like the movies kind of get more and more detached from their original representation, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, um, but that's, that's the impression I get. I mean, personally of these three movies, uh, Liberty Valence or Valence or whatever, Yuma and Unforgiven. I um I really like the first one the most. Second one I couldn't really make any sense of. Three Ten to Yuma, the 2007 remake, and um Unforgiven. Was all, what's that? Oh yeah. Well, let me I'll unpack it for you because I think that's the easiest one to understand. Well, okay. Yeah. But uh, let's let's I guess let's like uh, let's do let's do each one like 20 minute chunks because I I I took some notes I, and I I want to like. So, yeah, so, well, yeah. you know, okay, we can. Um, yeah. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, I was thinking just starting the first one first, Liberty, Liberty Valance. Um, well, that movie, I mean, I already did a lecture on this, so I'm a little like, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm a little, it's a little redundant. However, uh, for the sake of uh, amity, I can, uh, yeah, nice. why not? Yeah. Uh, Liberty Valance, this is a John Ford picture. So, 1962 was released. It, um, John Ford is like famous for a lot of his uh, 40s and 50s movies, and he had an eye patch, and he was kind of this character in Hollywood. It was sort of known for stringing together stories in a in a very like kind of um, establishing way. Like he didn't most most of the movies around this time had had a, a fast and loose approach to storytelling, hmm. but John Ford really tried to hammer in sort of moral and social sort of yeah. insights. Yeah. Uh, and Liberty Valance has that and there's a commentary with, between different sort of main characters one's more of a protagonist yeah. and one's more of a deuteragonist yeah. which is like the follow up to the main character sort of a, not a side character or a secondary character but like the underling yeah. and then you have then you have an antagonist right who's the namesake of the film Liberty yeah. Valance yeah. and uh, kind, of a, kind of a more intriguing character in some ways because yeah uh, you don't re- you don't really know his origin. You know he's a he's a criminal. You know he's a murderer. Yeah. Well, I mean he's he's kind um, of he's kind of put forth as this like just obvious black hat wearing bad guy, but at the same time he has this. I mean, obviously he's just a big bully, but but there's something there's almost kind of restraint and honor to him, and there's something uh, there's something almost cool about him, even though that's that's like under the surface, I think. It's not it's not what the movie wants you to see. Whoa. <laughs> Someone just honk? Hello? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm out, I'm out in the streets right now. Yeah. Uh, what are you, You're saying... Yeah, I mean, the Liberty Valance character is really kind of an ugly character. Yeah. He's not super appealing. He's always confronting people. Um, he's confronting people a lot. He's kind of a hard guy to sort of figure out. But you get this, you get this like sense that he's just sort of going to lose at the end, because mm-hmm. literally the film is called "The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance," right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's rather obvious. Uh, 
What's more interesting, I think, is the dynamic between uh, John Wayne's character and um, remind me, remind me who the secondary. Uh, sorry, yeah, who no, the, I, I was uh, thinking it's a guy from It's a Wonderful Life, it, uh, J- Jimmy Stewart. Stewart's character, yeah, Jimmy Stewart's character sort of drives home the show. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart is a wonderful deuteragonist. Yeah. He's really actually the protagonist. Uh, uh, John Wayne is the the, the deuteragonist. Yeah, definitely. There's like there's like an hour stretch in the movie I think where where John Wayne doesn't even appear and and when I was watching I was just wondering like it, why was that character in the movie like is he not going to come back but you know obviously he does and he ends up he ends up being the one who you know he, he ends up spoiler being the guy who shot Liberty Valance um, but honestly this movie like it almost reminded me of like Plato's myths of the stages of society and like how you you move from one stage to another with these little, or, or in the Republic, he presents these little mythological stories. And this seems like a very, a mythological story to account for the taming of the frontier and the introduction of law. But what's so interesting is like, it, it kind of admits that there's something to the legal order that's almost like arbitrary. Like, like John Wayne is like, oh yeah, it was cold blooded murder. I just like shot him. So, so like there's this combination of, of, of just shooting murder and, and like lies. Um, and there's also this weird reference in that final speech where the guy, um, the sort of bloviating guy who's trying to get the, uh, cattle rancher to, to be the nominee for the territory. He, he like accuses Jimmy Stewart's character of like bearing the mark of Cain. And that's like just an offhand remark. But when I was sort of thinking about it, I realized that, um, the first legal, I think code in the Bible that's sort of written anywhere is literally the mark of Cain. It's like, it's, it's some, it's, it's literally written. It's, it's marked on this murderer that you can't, you can't murder him back. Um, so that's just a really weird, like nexus of things I got to thinking about, um, which I think sort of ties into what the movie was about. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, it's the, it's a, uh, Sorry, you cut out for a second. The whole sort of collision of of opposites. Yeah. Stop, why, dude, why am I cutting out, man? I don't know. What's your deal? I'm cutting out. Yeah, it's it's your connection. Maybe the audio. What? Full bars. Dude. I don't know what's going. On. It's your connection. Um. Yeah. It could be. Listen, man. There's an unusual play of opposites in, in this film. Tension. And then release, and that is not between the antagonist, but it's actually the protagonist and the deuteragonist. Yeah. And uh, you find out at the end of the movie that the main character didn't actually, you know, man up and kill uh, the bad guy. Or you think, or you're led to believe that that's a possibility because yeah. the, the deuteragonist shows up, John Wayne, who's also, you know, the legend uh, in uh, Westerns. Yeah. So he's more authoritative screen presence. Yeah. And he says, no, I actually shot that guy. You just didn't see it. And I saved your life. Yeah. But he just, but there's no evidence. He just, it's, well, um, no, I mean, they, they, he seems just uh, distressed enough that it might be true. Yeah. I mean, they, I think they show it. They, they show it in a flashback. Like, you know, takes out his rifle and all that. Yep. Um, other thing, 
is uh the uh the uh so what what you is is the time really truth or isn't he what do you think um, I mean, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I, I do think that, um, that is an interesting point that there could be some ambiguity there, but like, I think the fact that like we see it in a flashback sort of, I don't know, to, to me, I just took it immediately that John Wayne did shoot Liberty Valence or Valence or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I did and didn't, I don't know if he did or not. I think. You know, he really just said he did, and that's what you're led to believe. So, the shot that was made by uh, Liberty Valance, why it would have missed, is sort of like, is, is almost as unlikely as um, Tom's uh, character missing. So, uh, his name's, uh, what's his name? He's got a funny name. It's like Ransom. Rans- oh, yeah. Ransom right? Ransom Stoddard, yeah. Ransom Stoddard, who who, run, who, work, who washes dishes who washes dishes at Peter's. He's a lawyer, but he has to resort to washing dishes at, dishes at Peter's. Yeah. Now, now, this is the thing, is that Ransom Stoddard um, uh, is uh, portrayed as sort of like a coward. Yeah. And then he, he but then he does do one thing to show is not a coward, which is that he, he, he knocks Tom onto, onto the, uh, uh, over after Tom pranks him. Mm. So this establishes that even, you know, you think he's a coward, but it's sort of a ruse. Or at least at that point in this story, at the, around the midpoint. Mm. And because of this, we really, you really are starting to believe that he could kill Liberty Valance just somehow. Yeah. And then that somehow occurs. He does just sort of shoot at him and um, you, you're really led to believe that he, he um, Liberty Valance got arrogant. He wanted to take a closer shot, shoot him in the, between the eyes. And uh, with uh, uh, Stoddard freaked out and just took a good shot. And they were you know, close enough, close enough not to miss. Problem is, is that he missed the earlier shot. So you think, well, maybe, okay, yeah. maybe he's always going to miss. Well, you know? and, and you know, he was bad enough with his right hand, and then he tries, you know. And then he's got on top of that, he has to shoot with his left hand. But again, I mean, it, in, when when John Wayne is recounting it in like in the back rooms of the like town hall, we we like see a a separate account of the scene where he's hiding in the shadows, and like, you know, shooting at um, shooting at Liberty. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, and I I also think to to the characterization of Rance, like I think he's. I, it's like not really that he's cowardly. He's like very fierce, but he's just really like incompetent. Like he can't really shoot. He can't really fight. He like tries to, to learn how to do it, but he never really gets that good at it. But it's not for like, it's not, he's not really cowed, I don't think. He just, he's genuinely always hates Liberty Valance and um, he does try. He's just incompetent. He has to, he has to sort of be saved by John Wayne's character, even though John Wayne, like, the, the, or, you know, the character is basically like illiterate. Um, so it's just it's interesting, like, passing the torch. I think also um, that, that drunk uh, newspaper editor or some something, someone like him says, like, like when, when the myth becomes fact, print the myth or something, which I think really ties into this movie where, again, the, the, the legal order has to be kind of 
or or sometimes it has to be established on on just a lie, just something totally made up. I know it sounds very nihilistic, but I mean that, that's what sort of surprised me to see like a, a movie this old taking such a kind of in a way almost nihilistic approach to law or very um, it's just it's very uh, convention rather than it's not it's not propaganda, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the whole movie is kind of like a is a red herring for like you know a, a cute storybook about the old west, but it's really an anti-western. Yeah. It's not just you know a nickel book. It's an anti-western about mm. the unreliability of 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 the. Uh, in character yeah and the un- unreliability of sort of like the eyewitness or the storyteller like did they re- the events transpire in this glorious fashion that you know promotes them mm. or did something else happen however it's a subtle take on that anti-western agenda yeah because you have a character who is the one who who um who uh, challenges this that challenges the main narrative yeah. He's the one that is um, is challenging the main character, and he, he seems to be doing it for no real reason. Oh, you mean Liberty? See, no, I'm saying Tom uh, uh, tries to um, fuck with uh, what's his name? Uh, Rance. Um, Ransom's perspective on what happened, and he does, and he succeeds. But you have to wonder if he were in the right, why why is he so guilt ridden over the over the events that transpired? Yeah, I mean that's what what makes yeah. I mean I think his guilt is like like I said when he says to Ransom like oh yeah I shot him in cold blood like that's I think that's what what makes him feel guilty because he's under this cowboy code of honor where like you can't just like third party and like shoot a guy like from the side, from the darkness, like there's something kind of that, that he doesn't, you know, that, that Tom doesn't like about that or something. I mean, cause, cause when you think about it or, or, you know, I, I would, I would be kind of like, well, strictly speaking, I think if some, if one person, if person A is attacking person B with the intent to kill, like, is it really unjust for person C to like, to, to kill the aggressor? I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I guess, I guess, you know, you could you could disable them or something, but you're right. It, it sort of it doesn't. It, it shows a kind of moral sensitivity on the part of um, Tom. But but again, like, I I feel like you you see the gun going off and stuff, you know. Yeah, you you uh, you think in the earlier sequence you see the gun going off? Uh, no, but in the second sequence, it it's not just like it's not just Tom like talking about it like. We, we see everything from another point of view. And that, admittedly, could be like a, a sort of living depiction of a fable that, that he's making up, like Rashomon, which is actually good, you know, that, that's, that's a, I, again, I, I never that's really... an adequate comparison, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, ne- I'd never really, I basically took the movie straight. Um, but, again, the movie itself says, like, when the myth becomes fact. But, again, like, like I feel like that's, that just lends itself to much simpler... No, but this is what you, this is the problem, man, is everyone's got a character flaw. Uh-huh. And you're 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 look you're believing the myth like oh yeah Tom like you know he fucking he had everything he he knew exactly what he was doing and he was just 
he ended up being too good for his own and he ended up yeah. you know like letting Liber- uh ransom take the credit and steal his girl away yeah reality is you know that's what that's what tom wants you to think or that's what ransom believes hmm. but the reality is that everyone's got a character flaw I, this is what i believe right yeah is everyone has a character flaw and tom's character flaw was that he was he bloviates you know why didn't he kill liberty earlier on yeah you know, Liberty had been racking that town with with vitriol and spite for how many years? Yeah, seemed like seemed like quite some time. Yeah, and and yet, you know, the so called hero never does anything to deal with him. Yeah. If, if I if I if I didn't know any better, or or, or 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 if I did or whatever, if I if I knew as much as anyone, let's say, I would I would think that Ransom walked into the town. Like you know, months, like you know, a year, whatever, months prior to everything transpiring. Yeah. He walked in, and then for whatever reason, that month, Tom decided to grow up and man, and try to show down with Liberty, and it just never really, you know, like it never really came to blows. Yeah, no, I I, I get what you're saying. Like you're saying that the the embarrassing thing is that it takes this like lawyer who's not even good at shooting, not even that good at shooting. To like get lucky and end up killing Liberty Valance, um, yeah. And then John Wayne wants to like be the man in the shadows who like did it. I mean, I, yeah. I would, <clears throat> I would say that the fact that he's like so kind of guilty over it makes me just it lend it makes me just believe in kind of the simpler reading where there's the two levels of like level one the lawyer shot him and it was self defense and it was just and that's how law comes to the lawless land and then level two. The lawyer had to be like saved by this like illiterate guy who kind of dishonorably shot um, Liberty Valance in a in a one on one and kind of intruded into it and broke the honor code. Well, um, that's what's complex <laughs> about this movie. Like, I think yeah. we look at it as if it's if it's simple yeah. because it's a, it's an early sixties film that doesn't have all the bells and whistles and pyrotechnics that yeah. newer films have. It's got a very it's got very long act structure. Yeah, um, it doesn't really resolve that much and there's kind of two finales in it there's a sort of a real finale and sort of a false finale yeah definitely so it's it's a little all over the place on like on like a first come basis but if you actually delve into it there's all these different like you know sort of like engineered like uh you know thematic collisions that are take you by surprise and and that's why it's well that's why it's one of the best uh films of the century wow i will i will say that I think I think, but like you know, and I'm not I'm not digressing here. I do think yeah. that uh, Liberty's character um, had enough of a survival instinct to deal with 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 Tom, um, and I think he always did. What do you? Mean I don't think that? I don't think Liberty was the kind of character who would just one day you know he just. You know, he became he. I mean, there's a chance that you know, like Tom was never irrelevant to Liberty. It wasn't like Tom went away for like a year and then showed up without telling anyone and shot Liberty. Yeah. Blind. He literally was like he was always just suspecting that uh, Tom would come around. Yeah. And take him down. Yeah. So this idea that he just like let his guard down after so so long of never doing it. Yeah. Just cause. I think is a little is questionable. Now they they want you to think that uh, Stoddard 
you know, just like he just got Liberty into this like you know this groove of like giggling and like toying with him, so that he he could distract Liberty from like you know worrying about uh, Tom's character. I would I don't know the last name of the Tom character. Uh, Stoddard, I think. Must have mistaken. No, Ransom is Stoddard. Oh yeah, yeah. So Tom, yeah, you're right. Tom Stoddard, I think, is like a, a writer. Or some, yeah, some I feel like I've heard that name. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. so Tom's character is is sort of like the, is he tries to be the man, but he's not even the hero in his own story. Yeah. And that's that's that the complex part about this movie though is that they want you to think all these things. Mm, yeah. They want you to look at it from all these different perspectives, so that you you ha- you don't know what to believe. It's all it's that's that's the genius in it. Is you're simulating how a, a townsperson would view it. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's um, not a cut and dry story where, you know, it's a, it's a it's a story where like gossip and paranoia figure into your own um, enjoyment of it. Well, and also the sort of interplay between myth and reality and all that stuff. Um, I, I mean, I still, I still, I, I still sort of disagree. I still think that um it's pretty clear that Tom shoots Liberty and like, there's just not enough like ambiguity in the movie itself to make me think otherwise, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, well, this is okay. This is the other thing is I, uh, you, so you think, uh, Tom am unambiguously shot Liberty. Yeah. And the end of it being sort of this, this plucky kind of like, you know, uh, story about like, you know, the, the, uh, the indomitable strength of the, um, of the, of, of like, you know, the, the noble savage out in the frontier, just this kind of like down in his luck hero that always comes to, it has impeccable moral structure. And then, of course, the, uh, you know, the city slicker that shows up is just like a buffoon, a bumbling coward. And then, and then even when he has this rich moment where he realizes all of a sudden that he does have strength and he has self-esteem and he can go around and have a reputation in this new, new world. Yeah. Then it's all take stolen from him because the real man shows up and just tells him, no, I was the real guy. Uh, no, I mean, I don't, I don't think because – because in in, <laughs> in that back room of the town hall, when John Wayne makes his confession to uh, to Rance, um, when Tom makes his confession to Rance, he's like sort of grieved about it, and he's like upset, and and like I said, I think the reason for that is he 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 considers it like dishonorable that he finally had to like he said he had to shoot him in cold blood. So there there's some aspect of like, so so. So Tom is somehow no, but I, I disagree with that, man. I think he he was. Uh, look, this guy is not. I I mean, you know, I, I I'll give you credit. I think the way it was written may have may have played out that way. But the way John Wayne portrays the character is almost like he's he, he's like nebbishly fiending for like recognition because he wants the girl back. Hmm. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I just think they're both kind of, they're both kind of guilty and compromised. And it actually reminds me of the, um, this is kind of a far-fetched analogy, but it reminds me of like Freud's sort of myth of the band of brothers, 
who who team up to like who team up to kill the 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 primal father who's like hogging all the women or something and then like they did that and they feel sad about it but what's done is done and they have to like keep their mutual secret i mean i feel like you could you could you could sort of paste that onto the two guys kind of teaming up to kill Although it is, it is again. I don't really get why why John Wayne's character even presents as guilty for third partyingly shooting. Um, you, you don't think the I, I don't know, man. Too man, these you're making these movies for the brilliant thing of this film was that it does it psychologically challenges us. I also think it's not that it does that. Uh, sorry, can you say that again? I, I think I think. This movie was made well into, you know, this, westerns are somewhat declining. Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, I just heard westerns are somewhat declining. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, it's fine. Yeah, westerns, I'm out, I, I got good signal. Uh, westerns are somewhat declining at this, at this time. Yeah. Now, is it true that the Tom character was, you know, morally on the high ground, had strength of character, all the necessary things to challenge Liberty Valance? Oh, absolutely. And that was that was sort of the bedrock for the, the setting, and even the plot, and and, mo- and most and mo- much of it to, to to a high percentage. But uh, t- uh, Liberty Stoppard's character is 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 an exploration on profound in that, which is this character is a meek, uh, not Liberty Stoppard. What am I saying? Ransom, Ransom Stoppard. Yeah. Ransom's character is a, is. He's this meek, you know, uh, shoot in, um, you know, bumbling coward. I, uh, he, I in, almost ineffectual. Why out of place? He's ineffectual. He can't do anything. He's not a coward. He can't though. do anything right. He, he yeah, can't do anything he, right. He's definitely incompetent. He can't do anything right. Yeah. And then one day he does, and everyone rushes to support him. But because it didn't work for Tom's narrative, uh, Kooky's, you know, narrative. Yeah. Because Tom thought he was all powerful, and so it doesn't work for Tom's kooky narrative. That means that Tom resents Liberty, but he—I'm not sorry, not Liberty. He resents Liberty, I guess, but he resents uh, what's his name even more. Yeah, well, he resents he, he, Ransom or something. Ransom. He resents Ransom. It's confusing because Liberty sounds like the good guy, yeah. and Ransom sounds like the bad guy. Well, that's but, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's something that I also. I really was tempted to read to like sort of read the names in this movie as very uh at least Liberty and Ransom as like very uh like like Liberty Valance basically means I mean when I hear Valance I think of Valence like 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 something that oscillates between positive and negative and Ransom obviously is like this thing that you must pay for the sake of something else and I, so I just think it, it's almost like it's almost like a Greek myth where like the characters have names that show them to be the personification of abstract concepts. And I, I think Liberty, I think it Liberty's, is. I think Liberty's valence is between uh, freedom and license. And you have to basically, yeah. you have to kill that Liberty in order to achieve freedom and tame the frontier. And that's, that's kind his, of what the movie's about. His position and also in a, in a funny way, his valence. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I are between license and, and freedom. And it also shows you that liberty is a questionable yeah. ideal. Liberty itself can mean some unfortunate thing. Yeah. And in the context of this small town, which his name I do not remember. Shinbone. Town, but Shinbone. But the context is Shinbone. 
Yeah. Liber- Liberty was uh, was a contentious, unsurly. Um, what do I mean, surly? Unruly. I mean, unruly and surly character. Yeah. That was dry. What seemed to be driving it to ruin, no matter no matter what the uh, the uh, you know the perspective might be. Yeah. I still, mean, yeah. still, I don't think you can you can dismiss the fact that Ransom uh, could have just simply shot him in, in his like you know in an act of desperate survival. Yeah. And then Tom walks in and steals the credit because he he sort of wants he has no, he has lost his leverage at this point because everyone believes Ransom. Yeah. So he wants it's a desperate act to get the girl back, Hallie, I believe. Yeah. And this is the thing. This is the thing is that he burns himself down. He yeah. burns. He he he's so ashamed of That's he he started he burns. I don't think he would burn his house. If he killed Liberty Palace. Yeah, that's actually I think that's he would a great point. Burn his house if he knew he had to lie or something. Yeah, that's that's And then he ended up dying anyway. No, that 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 does um that does make you make you question it a little. Yeah, that does lend credence to your theory. Originally, admittedly, like I said, I thought it was kind of roundabout and there was sort of scanty evidence to suggest that Tom had devised or tom had like like rustled up at the last second and like tried to steal credit and then act like he was the one who killed him but yeah i i could maybe see that like he shot simultaneously and i mean in now you case, can of course you can you can the simultaneous shooting is part of the fun unfortunately yeah. like you know it's also plausible that uh tom did shoot because tom was a great shot yeah and it's also possible that ransom just shot and and kind of missed or didn't or whatever because yeah, it was maybe good, they, it, maybe it was they, good cinematography. Yeah, maybe the shots they both, were well done. They could have both. Setting uh, was good. They could have both they hit their mark. They could have both shot him, you know. And they both well, they they would have. There was only been one bullet in the cadaver, so we would know. Yeah, but I mean, this was the old west. I don't think they were doing forensics. Oh, for, for a bullet, yeah. But um, it would be, be a puncture wound. Yeah, but yeah. That, that makes anyway, sense. anyway, so let's let's talk about the next movie because yeah. I think we get back on it. Like we we've had a, we've traded enough notes on this one, and I think we ended up as spot as we started. So, uh, ended up as <laughs> what as we started? <laughs> well, I mean, you're a little from my position. I'm a little bit more into your position, but I think we haven't budged much. Yeah, and it's healthy to think about uh, the Liberty, the shot Liberty Valley, 1960. Directed by John, classic, classic film. If you haven't seen it, you're missing out. Yeah, it's amazing. And you're going to regret seeing it earlier. Please watch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the next. Yeah, yeah, now. and and just in the last couple seconds, your your audio is getting a little spotty. Just want to let you know that. Dude, I I'm telling you, man, I am in, like in the suburbs, so there's no you're, fucking reason. Yeah. My okay. audio would spot. Yeah. Or I know. Go, it's, go it's... bald on me. <laughs> I know. All right, you got to explain this. Oh, I had my first. Gray hair the day. Oh, my oh yeah, no, I, I saw you mention that. I was like, like, and it was weak. Her told me she's having a uh, a girl. Uh, who who told you she's having did a girl? Yeah, I tell you this. Sure, my sister's having a. a I'm good. Yeah. Wow, that's good. That makes sense. That's interesting. You know, the cycle of generations, huh? Did I tell you about that? No, you didn't. Congratulations. I mean, for being an uncle or something. I'll be, a, I'll be a, an adult authoritative 
authoritarian. Um, I'll probably be the crazy uncle or whatever. I'll probably be the, uh, the the funny crazy uncle. But whatever, you know, it's like it's what you gotta do. You know, yeah, part of, the, part of the enjoyment. It wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be funny if it weren't also crazy. So you have you, it takes two to tango. Yeah, makes sense. And that's a crazy way to use that uh, that line, but all, all more to my point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, please. Uh, please hey, uh, I, yeah. What? And we actually—I don't think I told you it was a girl, though. I think I just told you that. Nah, I don't think you told me either, honestly. Yeah, it's a girl. It changes the mood because I was worried that the kid would grow up to be taller than me. Yeah. And 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 I was confident enough to have some, you know, solace that maybe it just wouldn't. Ha- God was on my side. <laughs> With, and, and the kid and the kid wouldn't. Jeez, but man. then if we find out it's a girl. And uh, my sister, there's probably no chance that that the daughter will be taller than me. Well, it's, I really hope yeah, not. It's just it's it's very genetically unlikely. Uh, very, mean, but with gene therapy and CRISPR, you know, I mean, there's a world of possibilities. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say uh, in, the, in the emerging the emerging future. I would, yeah, I would say that I, I think by your logic, like, you know, I think we should we should hope that that you know to a certain degree the next generations are taller. I mean, otherwise, we'll, we'll eventually devolve into a race of pygmies, wouldn't we? You know, if every yeah, yeah, we'll, be, we'll become we'll become ice. I'm sure. Yeah, you, you need to apply. We'll, a, we'll live on the on the ice, the last remaining ice caps. Yeah. In a in a in a huddle. We'll, eat, we'll eat, just just yeah. try just trying to enjoy the winter while it still exists on the planet, and then once winter is destroyed. We'll re genetically engineer and reverse engineer so that we can enjoy the tropics again because that's all we'll have. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I'm, maybe that's more, that's more of where the culture is going. I don't think genetically that'll ever happen, right? Yeah. I, I don't want to sound too creepy. Anyway, so let's let's talk about the next film because uh, I'm, yeah. I'm getting some more steamrolled. I'm, I'm steaming my, my engine. Okay. Yeah, three three ten to Yuma. Steam, steam rolling into my engine. It's about it's about a, um, a crow versus a Christian. Russell Crowe versus Christian Bale. And uh, three ten to Yuma is about okay. So I'm gonna, I have a presentation on one of my courses. All right. On three ten to Yuma, I'm, do, I'm doing. Yeah. I haven't I haven't done any work for it except organize some thoughts here and there. Oh, nice. Well, it's one of my favorite films. I got this movie got me into the Western canon. All right. I mean, not the Western, you know, the Western movie you know, yeah, canon. Yeah. Western film canon, right? Not the Western canon. That would be more literary. But the West has come into the Western film canon. And I, uh, I think it's, uh, um, there's something about the, the, like, the relentless violence in this film that really keeps the pacing good for me. Like, it's, it can be slow and it can also be fast. Yeah. Which, when you're a child, you really want that in an action movie. And if it's a Western, I think that's the only action movie that'll do it. Yeah, like it is a movie that has a great pacing, yeah. very very hyper modern, up to the minute pacing. Yeah. Um, but you know the story itself is based on a 1952 Elnor uh, movie, self title the same title, um, and this the, the it was based on a short story by Elmore Leonard who wrote um he wrote like Get Shorty and he wrote a bunch of uh, crime capers and crime uh, novels and short stories that have uh, translated into uh, the screen or translated onto the screen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Transposed. Yeah. Anyway, the, uh, the, um, 
this is the thing is um Elmore uh what's it called? Uh sorry, it's it's just a red I'm out and about. I'm enjoying a brisk walk through the neighborhood. Um and so in nineteen fifty two, this movie comes out, has a completely different ending than the remake that I'm that we're talking about now. Yeah. I don't really enjoy the nineteen fifty two version. But that said, or nineteen fifty seven, it was nineteen fifty seven. Um and this version came out. The new one has stars Russell Crowe, uh, a number, of, a slew of other, you know, well-known actors. The other, the other one who's really famous would be Christian Bale, yeah. who I'm not necessarily like that big of a fan of, but I love his performance in this movie. I think it complements Russell Crowe's character exceptionally well. They're like yeah. in the pod. Yeah, they really um, are. Well, for dramatic acting. Yeah, no, their their uh, their opposition is is a. Uh... It's just fun it's to watch. Consistence and 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 also like pleasant in a, in a, in a, in a quirky way. Yeah, and, and um, but very very stern opposition though. They have this very bizarre severe. bizarre chemistry, and it's just it just works. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's one of the few movies that they both co-star. So I think that's yeah. part of it. They're kind just, of yeah. It's kind of enshrined for them. Now this is the thing. Uh, this movie was released two thousand and seven. The original released in fifty seven. So what is that? Fifty years. Yeah. So you're they're rewriting a movie that's fifty years old. Keep in mind that's like almost the fifty seven is almost the midpoint for the motion picture industry. Mm, interesting. Uh, just I mean all, I mean probably even exceeding that. Yeah. And and, and so uh, they're working with like a, they have they have to scramble I think to find the right people to to, to make the movie. What they end up doing is they get a team of writers. They have three writers total. Two of them were a partner. Oh wow! A partnership, right? I guess That's no, a, partner, a partnership. Yeah, and they wrote um, Fast and the Furious, I believe, before. Weird. The, the too fast, too furious. Yeah. So you have the pacing in those guys, the action pack. Yeah, you do. Pacing. You really do. Um, the, the need for speed, right? You have it in them, and <laughs> the need for speed. You have another. You have another more enigmatic writer, so like an eighty-something-year-old a Hollywood screenwriting veteran. Yeah. Runs of um scripts i think he wrote uh, tv shows and um even he wrote a western at one point or another so this guy knows films in and out and he knows period films from the 50s and 60s in and out yeah so he's he's kind of like the avuncular oh uh help yeah uh, training being the writing of the the younger uh uh you know partnership well he he keeps things anchored he keeps things. Yeah, that's what I mean to say. Is it he keeps he keeps things fact within the realm of you know plausibility. Yeah. And from from a perspective, it's a little morally probably old school, and because of that, the movie kind of feels older than it would otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. There's sort of a there's like I said there's like before about the severeness for the opposition. The whole film is characterized by severeness. Yeah. And and I think it's was just so old that he could bring in that judgmental attitude to the to the um to the to the screenplay and into the core of the film for every audience to notice because this really permeates the entire production the entire feature now uh that is like the whole preamble yeah the um what is the movie itself is really a whole can of worms entirely different from anything i mentioned in the preamble yeah the movie is like you have um, a down-on-his-luck veteran farmer 
who operates a ranch in way south Arizona, I believe, um, Bisbee, Arizona, which I have been to. Yes. Um, on the near the Mexican modern Mexican border. At this point in time, it may not have actually been acquired with the Gadsden Purchase yeah. by um, what was it? Uh, uh, John Tyler, or whoever, not John Tyler. Who's the um, I don't James know. Buchanan? Maybe one of those. One of those presidents. He acquired it with the Gadsden Purchase, kind of his own ter- the own, only territorial claim in that time. That would have brought Bisbee into uh, the United States. Yeah. So I, I think it was might have been Zachary Taylor. Uh, John, sorry, I'm saying John Tyler. Might have been John Tyler. Anyway. Uh, I was just doing this for a president's podcast, but anyway, so this happens. It's, it's newly, a new acquisition for the United States. So there, everyone that settles down there, it's a new town. It's not just a frontier town. It's a new frontier town. Yeah. You have a down as luck farmer who is a veteran of the civil war. Yeah. And so he, he was, uh, he was fought for the union. They, they, they tell you he fought for the union at some point. Yeah. And he, defending Washington. He, he has, he's, he has a fucked up leg. Yeah. Yeah, he he was a sharpshooter in Washington, uh, District of Columbia. Yeah, uh, one of the battles, um, maybe even like Bull Run. It's not Bull Run. Sorry, um, the the the, the, the comes to, uh, sorry, what am I talking about? Uh, Stonewall Jackson's whole 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 thing, Shenandoah, the Shenandoah Valley. Uh, yeah, maybe even in that particular area, because that would have been a very famous part of the Civil War, um, even then. Yeah, and so. He's got this sort of reputation kind of in, on his backside. You know, he's sort of just like, he sort of like, you know, floats it around. But the reality is that he's a ship port farmer and he's, he's getting uh, blown apart by, uh, by changes in the economy. Yeah. And, and so he has to foreclose. One of the local town goons works for um, a beer that he owes money to, shows up, throws a Molotov like, you know, cocktail. He throws it at the barn, burns on the so now the cows don't have a place to like stay for the winter. And then when he's out on, uh, grazing the cows to pasture day or so, he is missing a leg from his victim his world war I uh, sorry his uh, civil war problems. He's missing a leg and he um he's missing a leg and he um he uh what's it called? He um he, uh, yeah. Um, he's missing a leg, and um, he uh, he has to confront a bunch of uh, criminals that sort of like fuck with his cows. Yeah. And the uh, the Ben character, played by Russell Crowe, yeah. lets him get lets lets him keep his cows. Yeah. But then he makes him take his horses. It's just all this really awkward sort of like get, get, get fucked that, that had... uh jeez sorry man last thing I, mean, I heard was obviously on the court in the course of in the course of trifling with this cow the uh in the course of it um what's his name uh So yeah, in, in the course of trifling with these cattle, the um, the Ben character and his gang of outlaws yeah. swarm a Pinkerton carriage that has a Gatling gun. Yeah. And so they're like they're they're riding on horses in circles, 
trying to cut off the Gatling gun's fire. Yeah. And they have they can't really shoot out shoot down like three or four Pinkertons. Yeah. And then they end up raiding it, and there's sort of a hostage moment where um, the Ben leader of the gang, Ben Wade, yeah. he ends up shooting uh, the um, you know the uh, like I I wish I could like retell the whole movie here, but he shoots yeah. the um, he shoots the uh, uh, one of his associates, and then he was it the guy who got captured? Then, and, Does he sh- is that the guy he shoots? He one of his the Pinkerton thing and pulls a gun and threatens to kill one of his associates. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the guy who's held hostage. And then and then Ben yeah, held hostage for like a a, a second. Yeah. And then Ben Wade just without even like really a blush or a, a clinch pulls out his gun and shoots at him. Yeah. And uh. And he, uh, you know, yeah, and kills both of them. And then later on, he'll tell his whole gang, like, at the bar, that, you know, that guy was an idiot. Be like him. He was weak. Don't yeah. be like And you realize that this guy is really kind of ruthless and not the nicest dude. Basically yeah. evil. Yeah, and um, sort of scrupulously evil, in fact. Scrupulously evil. And he's a true... People don't... No one can get a read out of it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's enigmatic as well. I mean, that that, that leads me to the point. Something, because I actually found this movie a little hard to follow in the beginning, and at one point I kind of I kind of noticed that, like, that there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of reason for Ben Wade to stick around in the town where he's captured. It's almost like he, like, wants to be caught. Like, like there's this pretense, or, or whatever, given, or pretext given that, like, uh, he's staying for this lady about whom he's asking the color of her eyes or whatever. That's another thing. He also seems to like asking people like, oh, you ever been to San Francisco? You ever been to Kentucky? Like he's always just asking people if they've ever been to some place. It's like his, his like way he slowly seduces them to evil. But I just didn't really see why he'd stick around in that town. And there's something about his character that seems to be like sort of looking to get caught or something. Or like he, he wants someone to prove something to him. I don't know. Uh, yeah, um, he likes to flirt for like, uh, with getting arrested. Like he, he really wants to dangle, like dangle him around for the the, the law to come over and just you know cuff him and throw him into the into the in, yeah. What's the, what do they call it? the uh, the town? Not the grid. Not well. Call it the board. What do they call it? I, I don't know. Uh, you talking about the town jail? Or brig. Something? Oh, the brig. <laughs> the brig. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he's sort of like dangling himself over the brig all the time. Like, oh, like, you know, like, I'm here I am. Come arrest me. <laughs> I'm the bad Ben Wade. Yeah. It's almost like kind of homo, sort of like erotic or something. Like, he's, he's, and he's kind of like, like throwing himself out there for like the lawmen to like snatch up. It just seems a little, like, a little too modern to happen in a movie. Yeah, but that said, I mean, that's probably sort of what it was in the in the like 57 Jesse James one. probably wouldn't do that. Or yeah, Billy but, the Kid, they probably wouldn't do that. Yeah, but I mean, we got to look at the original, you know, see if that's what was going on, the original short story, the original movie, because I kind of bet that it well, was. They, they spice it up in this movie a lot. Yeah. And, this, and um, it would be more like, it would be like really like sort of unadorned in, in the original. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. what I remember, the original, like, he was didn't even seem like that bad of a dude in the original one. Yeah. In this one, they're trying to make him seem like a, like a, ruthless badass like and like a serial killer effectively yeah he, um, he does seem like that he does and the other what's well, interesting what, what's so compelling about it isn't really this first act 
The yeah. first act is kind of the worst part of the movie, I thought. Yeah. Um, once they get into town, you know, obviously the Dan character, who is the rancher, who's down his lot, his son, by the way, William or something, or yeah. whatever, his son, like, hates him. I and know. he thinks he's, like, the biggest pussy. I know. That 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 <laughs> seemed, like, really, ana- like, I don't know. That, that just struck me as sort of anachronistic that his just son was always, like, I don't know. I'll just, never be like you. But yeah, he's yeah, saying that like, like he like, hates him. That was kind so of bad writing, much. I think. Like I don't, anachronistic yeah. for sure. Maybe maybe it's commercially well, just, sensible, but still anachronistic. Yeah, well, and also just bad acting. I mean, that that kid looks like. But even in Liberty Valance, the movie Liberty Valance, you know, like yeah. you see anachronistic writing from the '60s about like yeah. the values from the early '60s yeah. that don't trans don't back aren't backwards compatible yeah. with the old West, but they're still sort of you know brought voices. You know, to uh, voice it on top of everything, and yeah. so it's just it's just how it is. Yeah, it's just sort and, of inevitable. Just the, you know, the nature of the industry. And when when something um, is part of the same single tissue of the distant past, it's easier to overlook the like the 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 anachronism, really. But um, okay, so so moving from like, I mean, I would say moving from a summary, but I don't know if we really fully summarized it. So they have to like. Basically, to earn his money, uh, the the rustic farmer becomes courageous for a moment. He's like, oh, I'll escort him. I'll escort him there. I'll escort him to Yuma so he can go to the Yuma Territorial Prison. And uh, he does. And then his son tags along, unbeknownst to him. Gradually, everyone gets picked off one by one. And then finally, they reach the town with, like, barely anyone even left in the little hotel room. Uh, meanwhile, Ben Wade's gang has been just pursuing them the entire time. Uh, yeah. And then... Yeah, and, yeah, and he, um, he actually tricks Ben Wade at the bar to, like, release him. Um, he tricks him, or sorry, he tricks Ben Wade into uh, not releasing him. He tricks Ben Wade into getting caught by the sheriff, by the Margaret, one of them, you know, the by the local law enforcement. And then they realize that this guy's, <laughs> they realize that they have to um, get Ben Wade once he's captured. They have to get him on to prison. And how is he going to do that with his, like, his, his gang is pretty competent because his um he has a really uh smart second in command. Yeah. Who that's who's even nastier bond. than even nastier than Ben Wade. They actually kind of they do a good job of establishing how nasty his second in command is and how unscrupulous and just sort of like vile yeah. and, and evil. They establish it really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, and one of the things he does actually is he tricks all the sheriff, all the sheriff and all his deputies. He tricks him by you know, into running away from town to go investigate a, a place. Yeah. And by um, and he just all he has to do is put on a coat that he steals from a stranger. that was laid out, you know, on the on a barrel or something. And he just steals the coat, like on a crate. And then he just like has this, he changes his voice and he acts like someone else. And you're like, okay, they think he's a simpleton. Now the sheriff's gonna run out, run away. That's reinforced. He he misinforms on his his uh his keeper, uh you know Ben Wade. Yeah. Uh, and so the whole thing is kind of like there's good character development, I think. In this yeah. Film. I think I think it's got better character development than the other westerns in this film. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also really interesting. Um, I think other westerns that we're talking. There's about. good character development as well as like just good sort of character like depth like the characters seem to have uh they seem plausible and realistic and in their own way relatable uh particularly the two the two leads ben wade and uh the other guy whatever the hell his name was the farmer christian bale's character um 
so yeah, I mean, what 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 happens at the end, and what what's the significance of it? Um, then we, uh, and so they end up escorting Ben Wade to Yuma, yeah. or sorry, to um to contention where they're going to take a train all the way across the, the Arizona territory to Yuma. Yeah. And they just have to escort them to this train station in contention. Yeah. So it's, it's an ironic name. Yeah. Because they are very much contending on their way to get there. Yeah. They, um, the outlaws, not only are the outlaws pursuing them and are, and are quite able to do so. Yeah. But the, uh, they end up going through Navajo country to like divert the outlaws or just get away from them. Yeah. And the Navajo, Oh, I think they're Apache. Yeah, I forget. They're, they're Apache. They're, they're, they're the Apache, they're Apache. who, who uh, could not be driven off their land. So That's right. Like, yeah, they, and they, they liked fighting. They liked killing because yeah. they were never driven off the land. Yeah. And so they had to deal with that. And on the course of doing this, like a lot of the uh, law enforcement people were were injured and, and then died. And some of them yeah. died really, really quickly. Yeah. Maybe even too quickly. Now, one thing that is um, important to know, it's a little boring, is that the financier who burned down Dan Daniel's barn, yeah, told him that he would uh, he'd be okay. His debts would be settled if he um, helped escort this guy to contention. Got him to get, got him on the train. Yeah. And so Daniel's looking after his wife and two sons. Yeah. And, he's, and one of them one of them is really young. The other one's like fourteen, but he looks more like eighteen. Yeah. Um, and he's telling him, "Hey, you gotta, you know, he's like, I'll I'll forgive your debt, and I won't, you know, uh, um." evict you from your property yeah and so daniel has this real world he's like all right he agrees to do it yeah so he's kind of like the main uh, for some reason he's kind of driving the whole escort mission well and i think i, I think cause sure. he, i think because he cares the most for various reasons he, yeah i think so Yeah, and he cares the most. And um, what ends up happening? I, without, so I don't want to spoil it, so we'll cut the whole synopsis part short. And we've gone on for a while. Is that they? Um, many of like the guys who are offering to help have character flaws, yeah. and they uh, end up getting murdered because they just they fuck with Ben Wade too much. Even though Ben Wade's in handcuffs most of the time, yeah. he's able he's able to trick people into do, doing small little favors, like giving him some food giving him a spoon to eat the food or yeah. you know help him like you know you know give him a pillow when he sleeps weird things like that they're just like common hospitality even to prisoners yeah. captives he asks him to do that and then he converts it into him like strangling someone or stabbing them to death yeah. and or, or he, he'll throw someone into a ravine yeah. just because they, they mouthed off to him like he's he's entirely like ruthless yeah um, in one word, the best way to describe him, I think, is ruthless. And the second word would probably be charming. Yeah. He's charming and he's ruthless. It's really not a, like – it's kind of bipolar in a way. Well, he's a bit, he's a um, bit like the Joker from uh, The Dark Knight, which I think came out in the same year, didn't it? Or maybe a year or two later. Yeah, that could have – that very well could have been the same. Um, yeah, there's also another Western called Appaloosa, that, which I didn't recommend yeah. to you. came out around the same time too. Yeah, because um, he does have these principles of a kind, but um, – Oh yeah, he's also very interested in the Bible, and he yes. will charm women by quoting it all the time. Yeah, and he charms—he'll charm kind of anyone by quoting it. Yeah, and he—it turns out there's a story where like his mom abandoned him at yeah. a train station somewhere. Yeah, and he uh, in the West, in Texas, who knows? Yeah. 
and he did the, she gave him a Bible and told him to read. And that was the last thing she ever said before totally abandoning him without, without letting him know. Yeah. And, and so he's got this weird obsession with the Bible. He doesn't, he you, you find out that he reads more than the Bible. Like he'll mention, he mentions it at one of the dinners at, because before he's, you know, he's escorted out of town. He yeah. stops at Daniel's ranch for the night or something. And yeah. and they have dinner with, with his wife. By the way, he charms the shit out of Daniel's wife. And you get the impression that she wants to leave her husband uh, for this for this outlaw. Well, a little like, bit, yeah. I mean, I think she, she puts up a good, you know, resistance. But it is a resistance. Like, it's not... She's resisting the temptation to do that, yeah. Yeah, and she does resist it, but it's there nonetheless. It's obvious. And even Daniel will say, like, you know, she doesn't look at me. She told well, he tells this to her. So he's yeah. like, you don't look at me anymore. And yeah. I hate that. And so I have to escort this guy and get the money to save the ranch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that is like, you under, you is sympathetic about Dan and Dan and makes you think that Dan, you know, is kind of like, it makes you root for him. You're kind yeah. of rooting for Dan the whole time you watch the movie. Yeah. Unlike in Liberty Valance, where Ransom is sort of like, not like necessarily that sympathetic. He's sort of, you know, yeah. comic relief even. Daniel's yeah. never comic relief, almost never. Yeah. And he's he's really just like you really you have to sympathize with him or else you don't get the movie. Yeah, definitely. And by the way, Daniel and Ben get along really well. And I think there's a mutual respect where Daniel looks at Ben as sort of like this hardened, like ruthless, you know, character. And he sees a weird sort of like rigid morality in it even if it's corrupted yeah exactly and then, exactly and ben sees the in dan similar names ben sees in dan that he's like this like good old school you know like stalwart of like christianity and he yeah. really values like um wholesomeness and decency yeah. Yeah. and he he kind of envies it because he's like i've never been like that yeah. This guy has it all, you know? Well, I mean, I think they, in a way, they both sort of see that in each other. They both, like, they're both principled, just in, like, totally opposite ways. And they, they're, exactly. both, they're both, like, tempted by each other's moral system, which is kind of exactly. fun. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And it, there's, a, there's a dichotomy here of good and evil that's really kind of palpable. Like, it's like, yeah. it's, a little, it's, a, it's, it's almost too much. Yeah. Anyway, but it makes the movie, what, it's what really makes the movie good. Yeah. Um. So anyway, eventually... You know, there's like a sympathetic character who is a side character, secondary, whatever, yeah. called, who's a veterinarian. He ends up getting killed in like a sad situation. The um, I thought it was really sad. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, one of the main goons ends up dying. Ironically, that was the same goon that burned down Dan's house. Yeah. So he probably deserved to die on some <laughs> level. Yeah, he had it and, coming. And then the old man was like kind of neutral. Like he knew he was a bounty hunter who probably killed women and children. But you didn't know if he really he – was, he was really old and stuff too. Yeah. But you didn't know if he deserved to die. Well, yeah, but it wasn't It wasn't until he started like really insulting. Mouthing uh, off. Well, yeah, and he was he was insulting Ben Wade's like mom. Yeah, and, he, and Ben says to him when he has a gun to his head, he, he, he tackles him off the horse, steals his gun, and then puts the gun to his head. Yeah. He's like, you know, I always liked you, but you never knew when to shut up. Yeah. And then he throws him into a ravine, and he, <laughs> he's supposed to just have died in a ravine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Suppose – well, he supposed – to have died in the ravine because um, he was injured. He was also shot by Ben in like the first uh, act of the film. Yeah. And his wounds probably haven't even healed that much. So he's already injured and then he's thrown into a ravine. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, yeah. I would just say that he's, he's done from that point. Done from that point. And uh, basically no one else dies except for uh, 
uh, Daniel. Daniel dies at the last minute trying to get Ben on the train, and uh, Ben has a change of heart, yeah. and he, he ends up killing his entire gang. Yeah, because like he, uh, instant, he, he got he got sick. His gun had a cross on it, yeah. and, he did, and once his, his second command throws him the gun, he looks at it for like a few seconds, and he realizes that like the Christian thing to do would just get to end all the bullshit. <laughs> and so he, sh- he shoots all the everyone that's in so his gang. <laughs> I never and thought of it that way. That's really that's a great way to put it. I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, that was all kind of opaque to me. But that's that's a great way to, to look at things. Yeah, because there there is a lot going on in that in the end scene, and I'm kind of I was kind of confused. Just for some reason, I could never really do the math of that. As dumb as it sounds, like like they're in this hotel. They they you know there's this la- Dan is the last the last holdout, and, but it just it seems like uh, Ben is just so weirdly cooperative, and then he has this almost like change of heart at the end where he's standing at the threshold of the train. Then he goes away anyway, and definitely the the sun has something to do with that. But it's kind of hard to remember what exactly. Oh yeah, his son says to him. The son kind of shows up when after he kills the old man and throws him in the ravine. Yeah. He ends up. Ben holds the whole gang hostage, not his the whole team hostage. Yeah. The good guys, and then the, and then he's kind of kind of you don't know what he's gonna do, uh, but he's gonna cut loose at least. Yeah. And then he uh, the son just shows up with a pistol. He's like, or a rifle. It was a rifle. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like, hey man, like, could you, could you shoot anyone? I'm gonna blow your head off. So yeah. the sun kind of emerges in like the midpoint of the story. Yeah. And the sun is following them around during the, the like the se- second half of the second act, and then also the third act, and uh, you know the last three, four, and five acts or whatever. Yeah. Experience version. Uh, you gotta say. And. Last and part. Uh, and so he follows him around, and uh, uh, what does he do? I'm trying to what well, you said. Yeah. So when when at some point there's a shootout in the town, when uh, Ben is saying that he's gonna like basically go and like you know give up to his uh, troops, his his outlaw gang, and screw everyone over. And the son character, who's like only 14, apparently he says, you know, you're not all bad. Like you don't you don't get to do that because you're not all bad. He kind of like tells him. He kind of orders them not to do it. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. It's really weird. And so from there on out, Ben is kind of how he's like softened a bit. And he's not really like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I don't have to just be a nasty shithead all the time. Yeah. An evildoer. He's not a shithead, but just like a nasty never do well. Yeah. And so exactly. he, he softens from that. And then there's a really spectacular uh, gunfight scene. Yeah. And in and, and contention town before they get to the train station where Daniel does performs really well and doesn't get killed. Yeah. And so does kind of everyone, including the financier guy who was like, you never really knew if he was going to live or not. Yeah. And, um, but then Daniel gets shot by the second in command. And like I said, Ben does not like it. And the second command kind of realizes that Ben had a change of heart. Yeah. And so he pulls, he draws on Ben first, but Ben's just so much faster. He just fucking murks him. Yeah. And he, and he kills all the other guys too, the Apache, the Mexican, or whatever. He kills like everyone else. Everyone left standing. Yeah. His gang was like, what, 10 people? And then at that point, it was probably like six, yeah. five. Yeah, just kind of true. Well, no, I feel like because, you know, at the end of when they're all sort of, when they're all holding. Oh, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking about what, what happens because the financier or something or, or the deputy in contention asks the kid, how many did you see? And it's like six or seven. And then after that, like, like the, the sort of blonde jerk second in command offers money 
for the head of um, you know whoever whoever kills anyone in there. I'll give you two hundred bucks. And from that point, like it seems like the whole town just kind of turned. Like it just seems like it's this endless slew of people shooting at um, Dan while he's escorting Ben. So so it's like from six or seven to like some undefined larger number. And then when they when they stand off the train, there's still like four or five left or something. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Number and anyway, it kind of cut short because you know it'll, the ending is like I don't know the whole thing is a little sour. The main character died. Yeah. Wave played by Romo is sort of like, you know, I'll just get um, uh, prison, you know, like I did before. Yeah. And you find out it was all, it was like Sisyphean, you know, struggle to rock up the hill. Yeah. It's, back down. it's somewhat hollow. Hollow, but the thing because of the critical of this, it is like an individual. He's not going to be as uh, nefarious as he was before. So but at least you have that sobering thought. The other sobering are, are um, them. You know, not sobering, but yeah, restorative thought. Near the restorative thought was that his son is going to be able to take care of the ranch now because the debt's paid off. Yeah, and, and his son At now least theoretically, his son stopped hating him and believes in him. Oh yeah, the son really likes like you know he had at the end he's like you did it, Dad. Yeah, you saved him. Yeah, and it was like the, the only nice thing his son said to him like the entire movie. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> totally, he totally switched around. It was it was nice. His son, his son never understood his dad at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what did you think of the movie? You said of all the three we watched for this yeah. lecture podcast, do you think yeah that was the worst one? That was not the that was the least uh, I think. Yeah, but we, not, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, it's weird. It's like it's the worst, but it's not actually bad. I just didn't really, I didn't really get it because of some of the reasons you know for some of the reasons you said, namely that like the stakes seem kind of muddled at the end. Like Ben Wade, the whole point of this, of Dan's sacrifice is kind of annulled by Ben Wade just being like, oh, I'll just escape again. So it seems like this odd charade of a dance that has no, not a lot of weight to it, but there kind of is. And, you know, I just sort of didn't, I don't know. It was just hard for me to understand exactly. I don't know. It, it was a little hard for me to understand. It was hard for me to understand Ben Wade's character and the meaning of his gun and whether the gun was cursed and what just, I didn't really get Ben Wade, nor did I really get Dan. I mean, he's this, he's this like typical guy with like low self-esteem and everyone hates him, but he's kind of good, but it's just, it, it just didn't really, it was just hard for me to grasp. I don't know. I don't know. The characters were almost like too complicated or something. Of the story, uh, I felt like like uh, like another film that was really like successful. Yeah. Um, uh, Pulp Fiction. I yeah. felt like there was like a, so much going on; and it was overstuffed. Yeah. And then there needs to be like maybe almost like a sequel or side cool or more just a way to like get, make more sense of the the entire lore in the uh, in the world that was built. Because yeah, I like. I liked production so much, but I felt like it was a little too concentrated into just one film. Yeah. You're, uh, you're still talking about but Pulp that's Fiction? Three, that's what I'm talking about, 310 to Yuma, yeah. 
Oh, I see. You're, you're saying that you kind of agree that it's a little bit somehow overstuffed, overstuffed or at least overcomplicated, maybe? I do find it complicated because I, when I think of something being complicated, yeah. I tend to think of like, like a cartoon or like a Marvel movie convoluted yeah. like that. Yeah, it's not this quite was, to this that This is a point. genre film. Yeah. I, I have a, maybe a little more respect for genre Definitely. films than you would. No, I, I don't. It's not that I, I, I do, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't predisposed against it. And I do think it's really good. And actually some of the stuff you said has made it make more sense to me. It's just like, it's hard to express. It's like there, there's some, maybe some lack of, a little bit of a lack of simplicity almost. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, um, uh, a lack of uh, subtlety sometimes, uh, and a lack of, um, a lack of, uh, bare bones, you know, simplicity, you know, tried and true, return to form. It didn't really have that. I think it pushed too many boundaries in like a sort of unsavory kind of salty way, but that, ugh, not, that's, that sounds like nonsense, but like it, it pushed too many boundaries and kind of like a, like this sort of earthy, like, you know, firebrand kind of seeing more contradictions. I don't know. I, you know what I mean? It just, yeah, I do know what you mean. Like, I, I feel like yeah. it, it, it it was innovating in ways that I don't think mattered that much to anyone. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I will say that like it, I don't want to blame everything like on a certain time, but it almost seems like that that was just a, a property of you know the time in which it was made a little bit. But there are other movies from that time period that are way more annoying and way more obnoxious. And so I, I do, I didn't really expect the restraint that it showed. Like it wasn't, it wasn't trying to like ostentatiously like show yeah. something. It wasn't trying to be like, Oh, uh, let me make a statement about history. It was still very much like, it was still very much the face off between Ben and Dan and like principles and the opposite of principles. And so it, it well, I actually thought there was this glean, like this glean of Christian zeal and restoration yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah, there was kind of interesting. It way. was sort of profound. I mean, the whole like martyrdom of the, of the lead and, yeah, I, I I think it was it was just it was cheesified by all the uh, all the uh, uh, what's it called gratuitous violence and just sort of gruesome like attitude about um you know male and female relations and it was kind of carnivorous the whole movie I I think that kind of toned it down yeah. the Christian kind of kind of uh, brilliance in it if there was any. I yeah. think there was, but yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean. The kind of like, I mean, in a weird way, that's that's it's it's ambivalent because, like you were saying, the whole the fast and furious like velocity of the violence is like fun. It's it's like it's just cool. It's it's, got, it's, it's a contradiction in sorts. Yeah, exactly. Like you have on the level of what you see, all these like awesome gunfights and jangling spurs, and on the level of the story, you have this like much more sort of thoughtful, sensitive, complicated thing and. Maybe maybe what confused me was that kind of tone, a little bit of that tone conflict. But really, like it's kind of almost nitpicking. Like honestly, that is a really good movie too, in my book. And I, I, I forget I'd watch it again. It's, it's that good. Um, but yeah, if you have time, you wanna we're we're at like an hour twenty now. But do you wanna do talk about Unforgiven a little bit, or we could we could pause that for another time? Ah, uh, yeah. Let me try to find a place to like get. It's like raining now, and uh, yeah, my time is my time's limited too. So, you want to pick it up another time? Yeah, let's pick it up later. Make sure you save it, though. You know. Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll send it to you. All right. All Let's right. Talk, talk to you later. Bye. All right. And I will talk to you guys all later.